Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brains that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelopes on the, on envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Latrice. Thank you for being with us. We also have a special guest on the line, Mr. Jay Bailey. But if you will, Latrice, say hello to all the truth seekers. Say hello to Jay. And we'll get this morning's discussion discussion question. Uh, we'll get into it right away. But thanks a lot, Queen, for being with us. Good morning. Happy to be here with you again. Good morning, Jay. Looking forward to the dialogue. Uh, absolutely. And without further ado, this is a brother I've been trying to track down for a minute, and I'm glad to have got him on the show. Jay Bailey, thanks a lot, King, for being with us. If you will, say hello to Latrice and to the truth seekers out there listening. And as we always start, just give a little bit of your background in reference to this morning's discussion in reference to politics and economics, if you will. Again, your background is a little more extensive than that from what I understand. But either way, uh, I think you are the right person to have on this show. As I always tell people, I bring people on the show a little smarter than myself uh, in the in the issue that we're talking about. So I think you qualify as that. But thanks a lot, King, for, for getting on the show with us this morning. Oh, man, then I hope I don't disappoint you, Brother Smith. Latrice, good to be on the phone with you. Uh, hey, family, how are you out there in Radio Land going live? Um, you know, it's Jay Bailey, uh, President and CEO of the H.J. Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Um, but, you know, as far as, like, economics, and it's always been my focus, man. I started my first business at 12. Uh, I bought my first house at 19. I made my first million by the time I was 24. Uh, but because I didn't have good money role models, I didn't have a pathway, I, I went from living in a 10,000-square-foot home uh, to literally being homeless, sleeping in a 9 by 9 storage unit. Uh, it was at that moment, brother, that I realized that by the world standards, I had been successful, uh, but I had zero significance. I had done nothing to put a dent in this world. And as I started to chase significance, uh, things started to change. Within four years, I was helping to run a $30 million nonprofit organization. Uh, recently, I left that opportunity to start my own company. Uh, my wife and I started a private foundation, uh, but I, I made a strict promise um, that I'd never get another job again. I was an entrepreneur at heart and had all the belief in the world uh, that I needed to be focused on wealth creation because uh, that is what our people needed more than anything else uh, until this opportunity came about with H.J. Russell Center, brother. H.J. Uh, Russell was one of the most prolific entrepreneurs the city of Atlanta has ever created. Um, 
you got to think of the man that underwrote the civil rights movement, built half of our skyline, uh, literally had a pool inside his house in the 40s, integrated the Chamber of Commerce from the state and city level. The only civil unrest we had in Atlanta, 100 students got locked up during the student movement. They made one phone call, one man bailed them all out. <clears throat> this is the brother that I am. I have been tapped to honor his legacy uh, by building the largest center in America dedicated to black entrepreneurship, small business, growing, developing, scaling our companies and our communities. And uh, I see it as my greatest honor. Hey, I love it. Um, it's an amazing background. Uh, again, I think you're the perfect person to get into this morning's uh, discussion question. But right before I do that, Latrice, if you will, uh, make sure people understand, you know, you've got a background in this, and I definitely think you're the right person in reference to, uh, again, the, getting into the political uh, aspect of this same discussion, economics and politics. So if you will, Latrice, uh, before I say the discussion question, go ahead and give people a little bit of your background as well. Thank you, Queen, again, for being on with us. Sure. Um I, I'm Latrice, and I am a um, diversity and inclusion um, consultant. Um, I have um, quite a few years of um, helping organizations work better together through becoming more inclusive um, and allowing um, me to help them create um, better engagement for their employees. So I, um, I'm a advocate for women. I'm, an, I'm about as pro-black as they come, um, and I just at the end of the day, I want to see my people do better and be better. I love it. So let's get to the discussion question. Latrice, I'm going to start with you, as we always do. Uh, economics and the black vote are both necessary. I'll say it one more time. Economics and the black vote are both necessary. And before we go to our first break, a little thing we do, Jay, right before we go, which is, um, and Latrice is kind of share her first original thought when she heard the question worded that way. So it's not a, anything deeper than just what did you first think when you saw the question that way. So, you know, Latrice, I reached out to you this week trying to figure out what the question would be, and so when I finally got it worded that way, uh, what came to mind when you heard it, in a sense, that this, this discussion question? Um, that it was very timely, and I was actually going to wake up and listen to the dialogue this Saturday. <laughs> Um, that, that was my first thought. Now, I love it. Well, I dubbed you to get on the show, so I, got, I do want to wake you up loud and lively. I know it's, it's early for you on a Saturday. It's kind of your sleepy morning, so I do understand, and I appreciate you again for being with us this morning. And we'll push it back to you, Jay, as well. Um, in seeing the question or hearing the question, I don't know if you just now heard it um, or seeing the promotions, but the question, the way that it's worded, what comes to mind are both necessary? What comes to mind for you, King? Jay, did I lose you? Let me check. Oh, there we go. Sorry about it. I'm here, brother. Sorry okay, no, no, no problem. Um, yeah, no problem. When, we, when I hear the no, I got your question there. When, when I think about our people, black people, we're one of the few that created what we believe is a political power base before we connect, you know, created an economic power base. Um, and I think it should always happen in reverse. So a lot of times our elected officials or our politics or our politicians uh, are essentially celebrities with just a little more responsibility. Um, there has to be a conversation about leverage, and uh, I want to get into that, brother, uh, you know, politics and power uh, and how that's all connected to economics. 
And that's why we got you on, King. So thanks for that initial thought. We are going to go to a quick break, and when we come out of that break, we're going to get directly into that um, discussion that you're speaking of. And just to give you another heads up, we do play cuts from time to time. So when you hear the cut after the commercial, pay attention because it will play a little role into the um, discussion and question as well. I see the callers out there. Uh, we will open up the phone lines coming out of this break as well. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com. 404-465-4348. Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com. Dot com. Call them at 404-465-4348. After P. Diddy, he was in a live stream with Naomi Campbell, I believe for her YouTube show, and he talked about the Democratic Party taking the black vote for granted, particularly with respect to Vice President Biden. He said he's even willing to vote, hold his vote, quote, hostage. Let's take a listen to what he said. In order for us to vote for Biden, we can't be taken for granted like we always are because we're supposed to be Democrats or because people are afraid of Trump. It's whoever's going to take care of our community, whoever wants to make a deal, it's, it's business at this point. You know, we can't trust politicians, you know, so we want to know very clearly, just like Trump made it clear that he wanted to build the wall. Biden needs to make it clear that he's going to change the lives and quality of life of black and brown people, or else he can't get the vote. I will hold the vote hostage if I have to. That's quite a, quite a statement. hold the right. vote hostage if I have to. P. Diddy willing to go further than <laughs> Bernie Sanders Bernie and uh, most AOC people on the left. <laughs> I mean, really, that, yeah. I mean, that is a radical statement in today's sort of hyper-partisan politics, but I think a lot of people feel that way of basically like, you're always going to tell us, we'll get you next time around. Next time around, we're going to focus on this time. We just have to beat the opponent because the opponent is so bad, whether that's Donald Trump or Mitt Romney and George W. Bush. And next time around, whoever it is that we have to beat is going, well, they're so bad. Like, you have to toe the line. You have to vote for this guy. And the sentiment there is like, no, actually, I don't. And I'm not convinced that doing that is ultimately in the best interest of my community because it never has been in the past. Because every time we just go along and accept the scraps that you're willing to give us, you think that we're going to do that next time around. And so we only ever end up with scraps. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team, along with special guest Latrice Ross. Our special guest this morning, Dave Bailey, CEO and President of the Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship for this morning's discussion question. Economics and the black boat are both necessary. Jay, we will start right back with you as you were saying you wanted to get into this discussion, and I think you mentioned we, we've kind of done things in reverse, and I absolutely agree with that. Uh, my best friend, Mark Ranger, uh, always says we've had political movements, we've had civil rights movements, but we're yet to have an economic movement, so it definitely sounds like you're lining up with that. But, King, I'll let you just kind of start where you want, King. But, again, that's uh, thank you for being with us. Oh, brother, it's just real, man. It's um, The cost of perception is killing our community. Um, the, the appearance of wealth, the appearance of power, this proximity to power, but not having or ever being able to wield it in a real way. Um, in the city of Atlanta alone and other major cities mimic these same type of numbers. In the city of Atlanta, we're the worst city in the country for income inequality, although we're branded the black Mecca. We're the worst city in the, <clears throat> city in the country when it comes to economic mobility, although we're branded the black Mecca. Uh, a child born into poverty in Atlanta has less than a 4% chance of reaching the middle class. Newsflash is, though, in the courageous conversation we have to be willing to have is although we've had almost 46, 47 consecutive years of black leadership, our population is nearing 54% African-American. There are no poor white neighborhoods in Atlanta. There are no failing Latino schools in the Atlanta public school system. There are no Asian ghettos here. Almost 100% of the poverty is black. How? And then when we started to think about what poverty looks like, it isn't what we used to think, an old shack on the west side. No, 71% of black people in my city are what's called liquid asset poor. If they had a $2,000 emergency, we could not satisfy it with our own resources. So the new poverty in a shack on the west side, the new poverty is a five-bedroom brick house, two cars in the garage, but you don't have 2000 in the bank. And this is not a condemnation of our people, but let's wake up because the appearance of things, the cars, the clothes, and how we wear it, and it's not a condemnation of actually looking at consumer goods. But when you start to think about economic power and how we channel it, if you made a list of the top 100 wealthiest individuals or families in the city of Atlanta in the black mecca, 54% black, no black people would be on it. That's a problem. And as you start to talk about organizing, mobilizing, leverage, we know that dollars drive policy. We know that dollars drive politics. And if we do not have the dollars, if we do not have the leverage, uh, then we don't really have the voice. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something I shared with a friend the other day. If you took the wealthiest one family in Atlanta, and I believe currently it's the Cox family of $41.8 billion, you could take every black person in Atlanta from Tyler Perry to T.I. and everybody in between, every Range Rover, every Louis Purse, everything that we own in total, put it all in one bucket. That one family can cut a check and buy the whole black community out and still be wealthy. There's a reason why our voice isn't heard. Yes, I need the marchers. Yes, I need the protesters. Yes, I need us screaming from the top of mountaintops. Yes, I need us to go out and vote in record numbers. We have to actually start having a conversation on what's beyond that, and it has to focus on wealth creation and how we can actually move ourselves forward economically. And that's why I brought you to the show, King. It was one of those stats that you said. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet you. Uh, shout out to Dr. Key Hallman um, at an event that she held over a year ago. 
and you were a panelist. And the one stat that you mentioned, and I was going to bring it up today, and you know, no no doubt that you highlighted it once again. And of all the different things that you said, the the key one to me was the aspect of the seventy one percent being liquid asset poor. Um, I you saying that over a year ago, I never forgot it. That that one comment said I need to have this brother on the show because I knew it would be the conversation that we're not having. Um, even when you said it that night, just you know, it didn't it didn't become the 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 main conversation that night. And when you said it, I felt like it should have. And I said, well, I got a place where we can do that, and that's this platform. And in referencing that 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 particular stat. What what I ended up asking you at the time, and we can expound on it, and I definitely want to get Latrice's thoughts on it, was I also understood you to be saying this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or add to this, but in mentioning that particular stat, you were also, or at least we talked, you and I talked about it, so I don't know if you were saying it, but you and I kind of discussed this aspect of the idea of, as you say, voting record numbers and the protesting and all these other aspects that we are playing a part in, I felt like you were also kind of saying that to a certain extent, people that are asset poor literally don't have a lot of time to put into getting, get, put a lot of time into understanding exactly how politics works for one or also having the assets to play the political game correctly. And so that's how I understood you to, when you were speaking to that stat. And, that, and if that's the case, then having this real conversation on how to play the political game also includes, as I think you're saying now, most of us are not able to, and it's time to have that honest conversation. Like that's what I'm hearing specifically with that. Please expound on it, and Latrice, you know, any thoughts you have on that as well. Jay, are you going to respond? I'll respond after Yeah, you. no, I'm here. I'm sorry. Um, poverty is really expensive. Um, poverty cost, not having resources and access cost, less education, less access, less, less capability. So when you talk about that single mother with two kids, is she able to get engaged, to get involved, to go to the city council, even even maybe to take off the time when you're talking about voter suppression where it may take me three and a half, four hours to vote. So you know what? i got to make the decision between feeding my family and casting this ballot. No one should ever have to be put in a position where they have to make that decision. Um, to be informed about what's going on, to be plugged in, all of these things, when you start to talk about lack of resources, there is a compounding effect that trickles all the way down to the bottom. Um, and, yes, brother, as we talked about it that day, there's so many things that are, are a knock-on effect to a lack of resources and why we're not able to mobilize and weaponize in the ways that we hope we would to see some change really happen. Uh, yeah, man, if we could, I'm sure you said we got an hour. Uh, but if we go deep into this, man, there, there's the psychological damage, uh, there's the spiritual damage, of course there's the economic damage, um, and that all plays into our ability to actually move the needle. Uh, so, so it's all intertwined. So never, never hear me that it's just about the economics. Everything else matters, mm -hmm. certainly. But I say when you choose your focus, everyone, we can't focus on everything, and everybody can't focus on everything. My lane, economics. We're going to need other people to push the other agendas as well. Latrice, I like that point. Um, it, 
And I think I actually met him at that same event. I think that's the event that you picked me up for. Um, okay, cool. cool. Super, yeah, 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 yeah. You were you were with me that night, so yeah, you met Jay as well. I Absolutely, was. I remember that now. Yeah. Um, and I actually agree. And, I, and what you said at the end, Jay, about you know it's all intertwined together. And Montoya and I have had this conversation before. It's like there are layers to this thing, and we have to have a proactive approach to attack all of these layers at the same time. And people have to to get in where they specialize. You know, your economics. I think I'm more. I don't know where I fit. I, I know I'm education. That's a part of it. I'm pushing the envelope and, and helping people to understand that it's important that we think critically. Um, when I look at our community and I look around me, and I, I just read an article last night that talked about um, five ways that um, being black in this country is taxed, and it talks about um, mortgage rates for in black communities and how much higher they are. But even, you know, beyond that, when we think about many of our people live in food deserts um, and they don't have the, the resources to eat healthy, and we think about the impact that COVID-19 has had on that very same community and, and then how we begin to attack each other. It's so many um, levels to getting us to where we need to be so that we are economically Sound where we are educationally sound where we are um, we are in the position to make good judgment and oftentimes we're not in a position because of our circumstances to utilize the judgment and so when we go to the polls taking it back to voting we just do what we've always done because that's what we've always done and I think now we see that it's time for big change um, it's time for us to really let our voice be known. And it's time for us to make demands to get the things that our community is lacking, but it's desperately needed, and it's definitely owed to us. Now, absolutely. Here's what I struggle with, Jay, and here's the thoughts I would, I really, in particular, think about is even, for example, I just played the Diddy Cut talking about holding the vote hostage. Uh, but if we recall, maybe eight years ago, he kind of led the voter die, uh, which is almost two separate spectrums of of that whole thought process and, and and you already mentioned the idea of you know in a sense celebrities kind of have an influence or that our politicians are in effect celebrities with a little more influence again having done it backwards what also happens in my opinion and I want to definitely hear your thoughts on this is the pressure from those who are in a sense pressuring us to vote or die if you will there's this pressure that I personally think based on the the liquid asset income, you know, to be just being liquid asset poor, I think there is pressure that is unfairly placed on the black community specifically when it comes to voting, and I think it's very unrealistic due to that exact fact. In other words, that all we have is the vote, not no, not any influence because we've done it backwards, and this is not blaming our community, it's trying to have the honest conversation in that when the politicians come around or show up at church and your black vote matters more than anything, our ancestors died to vote, but you're saying it to people who have no influence based on the things you just talked about. So I think there is unfair pressure that pushes people to, in a sense, be involved almost as Latrice is saying, without the critical thought. And the other reality, and I'll be quiet, the other reality is 
most of the country is in that position. If we're if we're very honest, about forty percent of the country hardly ever votes in a general election. So it ain't just blacks, but there's more pressure put on the community, in my opinion, that can at least afford that type of pressure. I'm wanting to figure out and solve how do we get the involvement without what I consider false pressure because it's not a reality for a lot of people to feel like their vote matters. So some choose not to vote because of that. That's a hard one, brother, and I can't dispute you on it. I think that <clears throat> I think it is a concession and almost a retreat to say that all we have is our vote. Um, and I agree with you in some ways in that way. Now, on the other side of that, you know, I, I do argue with people when they bring up our ancestors, is that our ancestors fought for us to have the right to vote. Um, and should you choose to exercise it, it's where my camp and my thinking is saying that I want everybody that has the right to have an obligation, but I also respect what C.T. Vivian and John Lewis and, and Dr. Lowry fought for. It was the right. I have the choice. Um, but I think also that, that far too often, uh, just kind of like Internet uh, advocacy, you know, if I put up my post and I've done enough uh, for the cause and, and we, we've been lulled to sleep in many ways and looking at, mm-hmm. yeah, the vote is just the start. Um, you know, the, the election isn't the win. Good governance is. Like, you know, we'll celebrate Biden's win or, or whoever's win. And, and the win is the least of our of importance. It's good governance. That's why you cast your vote. And I think that this this narrow focus that we take with elections and voting and politicians, it needs to be shifted. There needs to be a reboot in how we think about who elected officials are. Uh, they're supposed to be public servants, and they're there to serve. And the win is not that we got them across the finish line and they came out with more votes. No, it's it's that after they are in office that we come out with more opportunities. And so, yeah, brother, there's there's a lot to what you're saying, um, and there is a lot of pressure because we have to realize how very important we are to the electorate. Uh, we are one of the most influential groups in the in the world when it comes to electing people. Um, but you know, black doesn't necessarily mean so much outside of election years. Oh, when we're black and it's an election year, uh, we're important. Let's look at the black vote. Let's look at the <laughs> But then outside of that, you know, nobody even whispers black anymore. Nah, so true, so true. Um, and, you know, excellent points. And, again, how do we shift it? How do we shift it when we hear people? I'll get your, both of y'all thoughts on this and we'll go to break. I may Maybe only give if we get one before the break. But how do we shift for those who have gotten disappointed or to the point or apathetic, if you will, to the point of thought that's often said within the African-American community by some is look at the Asian community. They hardly vote, but they have economic influence. Like people say that, and what what would somebody in your position say to someone who says to you, I don't want to vote because the Asians don't need to vote and they still have influence. Whether they're right or wrong, it gets said. Um, What's your thoughts on that, Jay? And as you as as well, Patrice, if we get to you before the break. Jay, did you catch the question? Yeah, I caught the question. I was going to say, I was going to let Latrice start there. Okay, 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 okay. go ahead, Latrice. Yeah, Uh, you you go ahead and answer that, Latrice, and we'll we'll make it to Jay after after the break. Go ahead, Latrice. 
regardless, when, when anyone compares the black experience to any other ethnic group, any other race, any other situation, my response is always the same. How we came to be in this country is so drastically different than how others came to be that our experience is different, and we can't put ourselves or hold ourselves to that same standard. We have an entirely different experience because of how um, discrimination was woven into the very fabric of how this country came to be. And so our response to the situation has to be unique to our experience. So although Asians may not vote or other communities may do things differently, because of how we came to be in this country and because of all of the systematic issues that were built into this country as it grew, our response to issues has to be unique to our situation. That makes sense. We got about a minute and a half before we go to break, Jay. Any thoughts from you in reference to somebody saying that to you as well? Yeah, I mean, I was talking to a Jewish friend of mine, and, you know, his his last name was absolutely Jewish. And I said, well, my last name is Bailey. You know, there's a difference because they tried to draw that comparison. And as as you talked about, it's it's literally that. There's a different experience. They cannot be compared. Um, If you're talking about 400 years of slavery, then into Jim Crow, then into mass incarceration, then into institutional bias, I mean, when have we had the time to sprout our wings? And where was the foundation that we built it upon? Um, there's so many nuanced differences that make our experience unique to any other people in the world. Uh, and for us to still be here with opportunities like we have now, no, no other human being or set of people has ever been able to do what we've done uh, with the encumbrances and obstacles that we've had. And you cannot compare, uh, you know, the best of the best, the most motivated, the most capable, the most, those with the most capacity to come over from other countries uh, who are aspirational and looking for a better way forward. That's just not an apples-to-apple comp- comp- comparison when you're talking about community. Uh, I know we're running out of time, but that is that you should dig into that a bit. Uh, and then we got to realize, too, that's a, that's a sounding call that we need to be solving our own problems about our own community because uh, ain't nobody else coming. No, nah, I respect it. And we can go deeper after the break. For our callers out there, if y'all are trying to get in, you do need to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. Again, if you're on the phone line right now and want to speak on this morning's discussion question, please press 1. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. You do need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Remember that VV around me. Tweaking that BF around me. My mind elevating, don't kill my vibration. I'm not in the same place you found me. Look at my drip, I'm drowning. They say I'm it, how I'm clowning. I'm penny wide when I'm counting. Interest gon' keep on compounding. Please on the beat, they compounding. If I did the beat, it'd be bouncing. I'm telling you twice, come holler at me now, cause I'm not gonna be cheap when you find me. I got on my knees and I tightened my belt. I needed the game and I got it myself. I hollered my partners, I got me some help. We split up the profits and bet on ourselves. You ain't one of us. 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 Remember they all used to front on us. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment specific knowledge and are known industry wide for returning worn out, 
broken and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team. Glad to have LNG Technologies back on board as one of the sponsors. Our special guest today is Jay Bailey. For this morning's discussion, question economics and the black vote, both necessary. My special guest co-host Latrice is on with us as well. Um, again, just getting deep in, into this conversation, the one thing I would mention to you know anyone saying that about other communities, if you will, or the Asian community specifically, uh, as Ken, again, y'all both spoke to it eloquently. Uh, the other thing that I always offer is uh, neither has those communities had policies directly directed at them to affect them. So quite often when it comes to our involvement in politics, it is quite often, especially historically, been to turn around some type of directive that was aimed at us, even if it wasn't clearly labeled as aimed at, at us, if you will, and we still see that, in my opinion, when it comes to mass incarceration, there are things that we need to be getting around uh, in, in reference to current laws, again, on the books, they're not evidently coming at us, but they obviously harm us disproportionately based on how the laws are written. And again, these are efforts that people continue to make. These other cultures and communities never have to concern themselves with it, so our involvement, in my opinion, has to be different if for no other reason um, than that. We actually got a caller that wants to get in. Let's see what the caller has to say. Area code 404-LAST-3-119. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Hey, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thanks, Montoya. Thanks uh, for putting on this show. Appreciate it. And uh, my name's KD. I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, what's up, King? How you doing? Thanks for getting in with us. I know you and Jay just linked up a couple of days ago. I missed y'all, man. So glad to have you get in on this conversation this morning. What you got for us? Uh, I just wanted to um, say that uh, basically in reference to voting, um, I think it's important that we're missing out on isolating our vote. And, uh, you know, that comes with holding people accountable or what they do within ever whatever cycle it is that they're electable, whether it's six years as a senator, four years as a mayor, you know, or or what or what have you. So um, it comes with holding accountable every every time, and and if that means that people are senior people missing out being on uh, committees or, or whatnot for a period of time, it's going to take a a good period of time of of a lot of reconstruction for us to really get to at least somewhere near the peak of the mountaintop that we're looking for. And then lastly, and within holding people, um, holding people accountable and oscillating our vote, it comes with um, controlling and being able to control the narrative that we just ain't, well, we have to still vote in that. You know, you have to still vote for your local things and everything. But if that means, you know, your write-in vote for your president or if that means, 
that means you can't allow the media to say, if you didn't vote, you just didn't do it because you were black and lazy. You didn't vote because you were disgruntled. You were upset about who, was, who you gave me these mm-hmm. crappy candidates to vote for. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? So we have to be able no, to absolutely. control that as well. That, that, that's my uh, three cents, as you like to say. Now, I love it. Let me keep you one second. I got another caller, but I want to throw this out. Because this, I'm going to tell you what the accountability looks like to me, and I'm interested in hearing you know, a quick thought from you as well as I get. Uh, but I always simply say, and, and you know, again, I know you very well, KD, or I'm getting to know you very well, I should say. Uh, but with that said, see, accountability to me, especially on the local level, means the willingness to, oh, you said you were going to make these promises, and, you, and, and if I see, for example, a local politician, in a sense, fail on too many of the policies, or I feel like this politician is bought out or, you know, just kind of going with the party line versus what we say we needed in the community, accountability also looks like, well, the next vote, I'm going to vote for the other party. Because, unfortunately, in this two-party system, that's pretty much mostly the options you have. Sometimes you do have a viable third party in a local election, and I, I love ind- I'm love. i independent, so often I do vote third party. But I think accountability literally means going to the next election cycle and voting the other party to prove I'm going to hold you accountable. What does that look like to you? What does that sound like to you as an idea real quick before I let you go, Katie? Yeah, um, well, the one th- um, one thing in that is you have to become a student of politics, and we don't really uh, we don't really know the ins and outs of every, each and every position mm-hmm. and what each and every position is capable of and what they can do for you. So it may come that you may vote for a Republican in one thing because I give you just a specific example. Okay, my state is Georgia, and I remember the. Um, the election with uh, uh, David Perdue, and he was running against Johnny Isaacson. I couldn't even tell you to also ran that Democrat that ran maybe Michelle Nunn or, or one of those, but um, knew they had absolutely no chance whatsoever. But I also know, knew that between David Perdue and um, I think it was Kingston, maybe Jack Kingston, but it was the jet, the other guy was absolutely he was he was the guy that. Uh, Said that kids should be paying for their own lunches, or poor kids should, or poor kids should have to work for their own lunches, or something to that effect. But he was absolutely horrible. So I knew that I had to, I had to cross over to go vote for David Perdue to at least get a better candidate in a in a better election. It, but it took me to know the to, to know the right. election and what or the politics of the politics. You know what I'm saying, so to speak. So you no, really that's a great example. Know, ins and outs of the no, particular election. No, that's a great example. No, absolutely. Thank you for your three cents. Let me get to these other callers. But before I get to the next caller, I want to hear a thought from Jay and Latrice on what it's a great example I think Katie gave, and I think that's part of what I, I consider accountability requires some of that. Not saying it's easy for people to do, but when we say accountability, I think sometimes it takes you have to take chances like that, in my opinion. Any thoughts, Jay? You know, I do want to lift up Mark K.D. Boyd is, is the real deal, and he's out there every day. So I want to salute that brother for everything that he does. Um, but I also want to pick up something he said about how we approach people that may be confused, uninformed, uninspired, unable. Um, we take the very easy approach to just say you're lazy or, you know, to hell with you. 
and, and we don't mm-hmm. really get to the root of why people are uninspired. And if we got to the root of why people are uninspired, then maybe we actually could see some change happen. But just to say, KD, you ain't, you know, I don't know, we can't curse on the show. You, you're you not anything. You curse on this show. We, we are not politically correct. Go ahead and curse, brother. Just oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, KD, you ain't. <laughs> yeah, we, we internet radio. We good. <laughs> yeah, my bad, brother. Then then that's the wrong approach. You're not going to get me to vote that way. In spot, you know, there, there are ways that we, we, we short that approach. Um, but when you start talking about withholding the vote or going to the other side, you know, the only thing that I say I, I, I differ is that without the economics, the Republicans will just say thank you. The Democrats will say you'll be back. And it, there is no real leverage that comes out of it. I think that, that in my mind, you know, as you say in your quotes, I don't disagree completely, but I will say when we say we'll show you or prove to you uh, that we'll move and, as you said, oscillate the vote, I'll go back to guys. If we're not funding these campaigns, if we're not funding these lobbyists to push policy, you know, I don't know how much impact that even has and how much they actually care. And will we just be, get pimped out on both sides of the aisle uh, and just get tossed back and forth? No, absolutely. I got a quick thought on that, but Latrice, go ahead and give you a quick thought before I go to another caller as well. Go ahead, um, Latrice. Um, I think that um, we do have to use our vote strategically. We have to figure out how to inform the uninspired and the uninformed. Um, this year when there was this slate of candidates, I started doing research and started posting daily this candidates, this is how they, this is their experience, this is what they're known for, this is the things that we should be mindful of if, as we make decisions. I started doing that during the primary. Um, if it's situations like that where we just use our time because when you know better, you do better, and you try to help others do better as well. So I think um, we, I, I don't disparage people who don't know. I try to use my platform to help inform those who aren't informed, and I think that we need to take that approach instead of denigrating people who, who may not have the wherewithal, who may not have the resources, who may not know what they don't know, help them understand, help them understand how to be strategic with their vote so that we can all move ahead collectively as a community. Yeah, that seems to be the running theme from KD's call between both of you. And so I would challenge those who feel like they are in the know that the, our, the approach by those in the know has to be better, and and you, and we can't just, as you say, keep denigrating our people and saying you're lazy and calling them that. It, it it's people rely on that approach versus what you're saying, Jay, coming up with how do we provide a better candidate? How do we inspire? How do we get to the bottom of it? And so we kind of are left, in my opinion, with just that. Uh, one thing I'll throw out um, as well. Um, I do absolutely understand the risk of, as you say, being pimped out by both sides. I I will offer while we are still the second largest voting bloc because we know in 20, 25 years that may be at risk uh, if, if, you know, when it comes to uh, immigration and things of that nature. So while we are the second largest voting bloc, I actually think that it's a better risk to oscillate, jump back and forth, because in close elections, we are the deciding factor. And I know that's what you meant when you said hey, we are one of the biggest influences in the entire, entire world on who's elected. And so any close election, we can be the deciding factor. And so I actually think it's worth the risk because, in my opinion, we're already pimped without the money being involved. And so the only way, in my opinion, as a collective that we can play, since we're not 
not putting the money into it, in my opinion, don't necessarily have the discretionary money to put into politics like, you know, the wealthy do when it comes to lobbying and things of that nature. That's my opinion. And because we don't, I think the only way we can fairly play is to at least prove we will oscillate. And and at that point, some politicians will have to prove that they will give us more than scraps because we're willing to oscillate. That's just a thought I have since we're not putting in the money or, in my opinion, I don't know that we're absolutely capable or able to just based on the numbers you gave us, um, you know, at the beginning of, you know, beginning of this um, broadcast. If you will, just give me one thought on that. I'm going to go to the call after the break, actually. Yeah, I could never say you're wrong on that, brother, because it's not been tried, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd say oscillation without organization will leave us flat-footed again uh, because, right. yes, what is the demand that we have collectively, you know, in response to that oscillation? Uh, and with an oscillating fan, if it blows away from me, if I just stay cool for a second, it's going to come right back. It ain't got to do nothing. And so, you know, what is our stick in this beyond just the vote? But I, I, I don't disagree with you, brother, in saying that there are ways that we can create leverage. Um, but I just know that more than anything else, the leadership is needed, the organization is needed to make sure that there's fruit that bears from that oscillation or whatever move we make. Um, right. That's part of the problem. Now we get the vote without a list of demands. We get the we get, that's what Diddy was saying. And, you know, I doubt Diddy would ever truly hold up the vote because he understands how significant it is. But he's just saying, "Damn, can we hold y'all accountable?" And we're going to hold you accountable because this is ridiculous. Um, so no, brother, I, I hear you loud and clear. And I think it is time that we've had all of these violent political conversations that don't really amount to much, rather than hearing each other, listening to each other. Uh, and figuring out ways forward that make sense. We just kind of like to do the political jockeying and boxing and pugilism and the judo to just try to make you destroy your point without figuring out how the good points in your point match mine and how we go forward. No, absolutely. Thank you for that. And and then that that would be the goal and not, you know, in offering it as here's the highlight, here's the consideration with our positioning, then obviously it would be, I think it would force us to organize. If we were willing to consider it, then we would force to come up with an agenda while we're waiting to judge somebody that's in candidacy for four years. It may take about eight years before it's effective because even if we did it one vote, for the most part, the Democrats ain't going to believe it. All the Republicans are not going to believe it. But, but based on what we've gotten over the last hundred years, I would risk eight years of organizing the willingness to oscillate to effectively get something more than scraps. I think it's worth the risk. Again, it's just the idea. I'm not the political person uh, to, in a sense, lead it. But the fear that's put in us politically, I think, hurts us more to not be willing to do other ideas, even if it's not this one. All right, we are up against the break. We'll get a caller coming out of the break. Uh, thanks a lot for that, King. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. 
What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. There are so many people outside of the the higher structures of society that no one is talking to. That's where Mr. Trump comes in. Yeah. And uh, more power to him, for that matter. Yeah. He, is, he is talking in this thing. I know that's another absolute heresy. Uh, he's not the cause of these things. He's the result of failures of other and more sophisticated people. Well, and I think I, I have a friend who's working very closely with the Democratic Party in, in the United States and, and, and has been quite effective at doing so and trying to move the party closer to the middle and away from the radicals. And we discussed this a lot because, you know, I think one of the reasons that the people who hate the Democrats in the United States truly hate them, right, that there's just vitriol yeah. there, is because they've proved themselves incapable of generating a candidate who can actually take on Trump. Yeah. And, and I think there's a disappointment even among the enemies of the Democrats that's so profound there that it generates precisely this vitriol. It's like the man is, 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 is characterized by manifold flaws. And, and, and I'm not saying this in a partisan way. No, I know. I and, accept. and the fact that the system works so poorly that a credible centrist candidate can't be found to, to offer himself at least as a viable alternative I mean, my poor friend, who's, who I said is, has been following this and has been deeply involved in the debates, he's just, he's just tearing out his hair <laughs> watching the Democrat <laughs> debates and watching well, it degenerate. Well, he should. Well, exactly. He but should. It's so, it's so sad well, you to got, see uh, that. You have, you have a, a New Age spiritualist who's going to be president of the United States, and you have them dissolving the idea of nationhood. We will abandon the border. I mean, it, anyway, it is such a weak thing. But the people in the street, the guy who called me about you, that's a class, and it's a vast class. Yes. And it's, it is, that's the great 50% yeah. that has been walked over and is turmoil, and all of the identity politics and all of those things that get traffic and commerce in, in conversation in the media, these are irrelevant to them, yeah. apart from being insulting. Yes. And after a while, the social pressure builds it, and this game that's going on over here will have to close or something breaks. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess in Trump was an attempt to break it. Brexit you know? was another attempt. Yeah, that's right. Brexit was. Welcome back to the Venture Dialogue Talk Show. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Patrice Ross. This morning's special guest is Jay Bailey, CEO and president of the Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. This morning's discussion, question, economics and the black vote are both necessary. I just played a cut from Jordan Peterson, he was on another show. And for me, that cut just breaks down what I would consider, and I want to hear your, both of your thoughts on this, is what breaks down the idea of um, when the guy mentions that 50% who feel disconnected and they don't buy into the identity politics. And when I'm listening to that cut and thinking about our community and how often the the politician, the political rhetoric, I should say, is based on how much someone is a racist. And I watch that from my independent viewpoint and see it as it being overused and ineffective 
in reference to how politics work while I'm sitting here and I think we just heard an example of how a lot of people in the country don't even relate to it. And so if we're not understanding that, I think we missed the boat on letting certain certain rhetoric being overused, if, if, if I'm making sense with that. And I'm not saying which way to go with it. I just hate how we're being used by it, if I'm making sense. Uh, Latrice, I'll start with you on that, get Jay's thought, and then, Carla, we are going to get to you. Bear with us. Um, go ahead, Latrice. Okay. So as an independent, I do I find it problematic that you want to use our race to to get the vote when it's an election year, but when it's time to really be accountable for what we need and get into working with our community to ensure that we are getting the the the, the things that we need economically, that we are dealing with um, redlining that's still going on, that we're dealing with. Um, how our, our people are, are sentenced to longer sentences in prison for the same crime as a white person, I, I, I find it problematic. Now, it, it, and, and the thing is, every election is important, um, and I think that's what it boils down to, how they instill that sense of urgency, do or die, in us. Um, but I don't, have the, I don't have the solution. You know, part of me says withhold the vote, make them see that, that we are powerful and that if they really want our vote, they have to come to the table with solutions for us. Um, but then part of me says, but I can't afford to do that because HGB is, is, is hanging on by her ponytail and who, who replaces her will impact my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. So it's so many things that we have to look at, look at when we talk about withholding the vote, and I'm, I'm struggling with that this year significantly because I don't want to cast a vote, a vote for Biden. But then when I look at HDB and her cancers come back and she's had falls and all of these things and, and it's already a conservative leaning court, what am I supposed to do? Because that's big for me. That's a big factor. And that's why so yeah. we have to weigh all of the things. Yeah, and at least we're talking it out. I, I'm not saying I have the answers. Jay, any thoughts? Uh, I think Latrice just laid out a perfect dilemma for her personally that a lot of our people probably feel just like her. And I'm not, and I'm probably in the same boat if I were to evaluate my, you know, I'm still looking through it, trying to figure out where I'm going to go with it, but I'm probably leaning towards what she's saying as an independent myself. I'm struggling with it as well. Any thoughts, Jay? Yeah, man, it's all strategic. I mean, to have 50% of your voter base disenfranchised, disengaged, and disconnected, that means less people that we have to sway or influence, less money we have to spend to reach them. And I've got a smaller subset, and you see how Trump or any politician, and I'll say I won't even single out the president, um, speaks to their base now because we have made an industry out of partisan politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is mm-hmm. straight up separated more than it's ever been in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And that industry, just like any industry, is looking to win. And so whatever tools, whatever art award necessary to suppress your desire to go out and vote, to mute your decision-making and saying, do I go left or right? What do I do as an independent at all as a part of a system to say that we're looking to win? And, and disenfranchisement, uh, confusion, anger, Distrust is all part of that system. Uh, absolutely. Let's go to the caller. Anybody out there who's got people on the line, you have to press one and let us know you want to get it. 
Area code six seven eight last three two four three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Sorry about the long hold. Go ahead. Man, you don't love me, brother. Uh, what's going on? This is Jackson <laughs> One King. <laughs> How you doing, Jackson? Thanks a lot for calling me, in, King. What you got for us? Doing, doing well, Latrice Queen. Good morning, my brother Jay Bailey King. What's going on? This is you know a topic that's near and dear to me. Um, worked in local government for a long, long time, and what I would say in all of this, and and you're you all are right. One of the things I would not take away, we cannot not vote, right? Because voter apathy is something really huge, even if you go to the polls and write in. Because one of the things that elected officials will do, they will look at that voter roll. They will look in your neighborhoods and say no one turned out so that the community doesn't care. So at the very least, go and write some a candidate in if you do not believe in that local state or national elected official. And then to the other piece about, you know, we don't have the money, I think we just need to change that narrative. Like, like we look at other campaigns, five, ten dollars a month going into this political action fund for our need, for our goals, will change that narrative. We, we, we don't have to think millions and millions of dollars of donation. We think small grassroots and people even, even if we start in local communities, Jay, you taught me this, brother, start small and make an impact in that area. And we can say that, hey, in metro Atlanta, this is what we're doing, and it's a repeatable process. Um, so we, we, we don't have to shoot for the big picture right now, but we can say they're making some moves in Atlanta. They're making some moves in Detroit. They're making some moves in Chicago. They're making some moves in Baltimore that is repeatable, and we can impact change. Well, thank you, King, for those three cents. Now, what I love the most is, as we always say, local politics is local. Uh, we're driven by the national election, and you're absolutely right. Uh, even in me saying the money's not there, um, it, you're right. It's not. That's definitely unfair on the local level used strategically. So thank you for that amazing three cents, Jason. Thanks a lot, King. Appreciate you. Jay, we got you for a couple of yep, couple of minutes. Um I would love to steal more time yeah. with you. We are a two hour show, so if you if you could spend more time, let me know. It's, we you know, we're a family show, so it's not it doesn't be formal or anything. Um but I am well, sneaking man, in there man. asking for a little more time, but if you don't have it, I'm not gonna stress you about it. But any thoughts on what Jason had to say? And if you do have to go, um yeah. any information you wanna give out to the public on how to stay in contact, get involved with the Russell Center, let's see we can do that now. If you could stay a little longer, let me know that as well. Yeah, I'm going to need to dip, but, brother, whenever Jason Warner's on any kind of call, you got to stand up and at least make some extra time. King, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, miss you, my brother. It, it's real. And, you know, one of the things that I believe in is is a lot of people get caught up in this analysis paralysis of how big problems are, so we don't do anything. Uh, you know, I'm still kind of grieving the loss of C.T. Vivian and John Lewis, but C.T. in particular was a great mentor of mine, and I looked up to him greatly. One of the most powerful things he ever said to me when I asked him, you know, Brother CT, how, how did y'all do it? Like, y'all were some kids. Like, how did y'all get out there? And he, he said, Doctor, all the power is in the doing. It is in the action. Uh, while everybody else was out there talking about changing the world, we just got up every day and tried it, tried something new. We were some kids. We didn't know what we were doing. Uh, when C.T. Vivian took that punch from Bull Connor, he was 40 years old. John Lewis was 25. 
So as we start to think about action and what that means, find problems you can do something about and do something. Instead, you know, we wax prophetic about the large problems, and that's what I do love about Jason. I think he respects that about me. I ain't trying to change the world. I'm not trying to end poverty. I am trying to end it in this block that I can reach, though. And so, you know, it's uh, so many people want to want credit for the solutions. Nobody wants to solve the problem. But I think inherently in problem solving is the ability to take the part that you can actually impact change. And to your point, Jason, yes, incremental dollars reach the big dollars, but somebody's got to start with the incremental dollars. And I love what you've been doing for years and preaching for years because it's real. Um, again, there's just got to be a different way forward, guys. But with conversations like this, leaders like each of you uh, bringing these topics up, bringing it to community, being passionate about it, but also not being passive about it, not letting the normal uh, status quo or the way that things have always been. I love what your tag is. All I ask you to do is think. Uh, but I think in, in the world we, we move at such a pace that we never really get a chance mm-hmm. to think. If people are listening right now, think over the past week, the past seven days, how many times have you had more than just an hour, an hour out of, out of seven days times 24 hours, whatever that math adds up to? Have you had more than an hour just to think, or have you just been in this <laughs> constant state of operation? And, right. you know, any plan, any future, any strategy, any, anything is going to require us to have time to think. And we just absolutely do not have it built into our regimen. It is not part of our discipline, but it is so very critical for anything that's going to be lasting or sustainable is for us to have the time that we deliberately and intentionally carve out to sit and think. And if we think over the course of our week, most of us never give ourselves that kind of luxury, and we certainly don't give ourselves that kind of advantage. So it never plays out in community because we're not actually thinking about what our next moves are. We're just moving. Reacting, absolutely. I always say the truth is in our silence. Thank you so much, King, for being on. Any information in reference to the Russell Center, um, if you want to highlight that before you go, uh, I appreciate you. Um, I definitely would love to have you on in the future, uh, either, again, because there's so much we can gather from you. But thank you for the role you already are playing, and thank you for your time on the show. Oh, Montoya, I appreciate you, brother, for doing everything that you do. Latrice, Latrice, it's Latrice, Latrice, Ms. Smith, and Ms. Ross, thank you for so uh for, for sharing your light as well and your passion and certainly what you do every day. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think I'm just Jay Bailey, J-A-Y Bailey, uh, the Russell Center at rcie.org. We're on all social media platforms. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, join our mailing list. As we're building this center, we're building it for our community, by our community, owned by our community. Uh, rcie.org, uh, stay with us as we grow and as we build. Uh, we're going to get through all of this. So, guys, thank you for the opportunity to just share a bit of my voice. Um, and you guys continue to press forward with what you do all the time. No, absolutely. Appreciate you, King. Um, again, excellent hour with you. We'll be right back, everyone. Um, Brother Pierre, I see you out there on the line. We'll get you coming out of the break. Um, as always, we got Square Business Entertainment providing us with our music each and every Saturday right now. Also, I love uh, any of you are a long-time listener, y'all know about Joe Bleed. He has an album out called Bet On Myself. You heard a little piece of that um, about 30 minutes ago. We're going to play another song called Different Now. 
And we'll come back. We'll continue this morning's discussion. Economics and the black vote are both necessary. All I ask is that you think. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, the hottest album out right now. Joe Bleeze, Bet On Myself, find it on all streaming music platforms. I mean that sincerely. There's no hip-hop album out hotter than that right now. This morning's discussion question, economics and the black vote are both necessary. we got Brother Pierre trying to get in. Uh, before I go to him, Latrice, I just wanted to highlight another aspect of uh, what Jason said that I thought was very critical uh, just an additional thought as we just kind of walk through this situ- this conversation, if you will. Um, definitely appreciate Jay in the first hour. Uh, but even in Jason mentioned the idea of writing in the vote, as I'm listening to him point that out, I'm like, that makes so much sense. So even, you know, even this idea that, you know, Jay kind of understood the perspective I had in the sense that if we're not financially, in a sense, competing with the lobbyists and us being that second largest voter block, I definitely saw how critical even that idea of writing someone in. And here's how I look at it, again, if politics is local, that, and politics is. That's, those are the ones that affect you most immediately. And so with that perspective, it, it might, you might only be writing in for president. You're, you're, like that's a perspective I would add or, or, or what I appreciate about his thought. Uh, because, as you know, as, you, as uh, Killer, Killer Mike said that in the past, maybe I'll withhold my vote, or Diddy saying withhold the vote. And so the idea was maybe, you know, locally you try to figure out what's going on, and maybe just nationally you write it. Like that still would, again, the numbers are still showing up, but you're starting to have influence because we are being strategic about it was something that came to my mind. Any thoughts on that before I go to um, Brother Pia? So um, I, I, I agree with that, but that still doesn't um, offset my dilemma 
because writing in your vote, it's, it's, it's you're, you're since I'm voting because I need to, I need to make my presence known, but you're still not, it's still not answering, it's still not the answer to my dilemma. Um, I'm going to vote regardless. Um, but when I think about the choice that I have to make in this current election at the federal level, that's not helping me. Um, because I'm no, still no, I definitely understand that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I thought you were finished. I'm sorry. Please finish. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. If I write in, it's still not a vote for either candidate. It's still a vote that's missing, and there's still the chance that this, you know, the, the, the current person in the White House will then get to replace HPG. And that's a problem. No, I understand that. And and I'm saying it more. No, no, I absolutely understand that. And I wasn't even offering that idea for now because ultimately my challenge to our community is that this this strategy, if we were willing to not, in my opinion, be driven by fear, and and we heard the earlier cut say, well, every election will be put under that same type pressure. I'm just pushing back saying I no longer want to bow down to that pressure and willingly strategically consider proving we will oscillate our our vote over the next four to eight years. So I absolutely understand that any year that we start this strategy, it won't answer a dilemma for any given year. But I promise you in four years, the the rhetoric will be somebody worse than Trump. I don't care who that person is. I don't know who it is now. But I'm I'm just saying that's the way the rhetoric misuses us. And so I'm just pushing back and saying what I liked about Jason's idea, not so much to answer you, you know, right now, currently, because I definitely understand it doesn't take away your personal dilemma for this election. I'm just talking about adding the aspect for some people who always say withhold the vote. I'm just agreeing with him in the sense that in the strategy, withholding the vote may be the weaker one if you would just consider his ideas, what I was throwing out there. And, again, we're just talking it out. Let's see what Brother Pianchi has to say. Uh, we got another call that wants to get in after him as well. Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis, thanks a lot for calling in. King, what's your three cents this morning? Well, you got differing situations on your panel. You have panels that, uh, panel members that uh, cater to uh, varying spectrums of what we call, what you call in the black vote. All of the black vote is not good for all uh, quote-unquote blacks, especially black businesses. Uh, You know, I voted for Donald Trump because of his issues. His issues was good for business. His tariffs on India and Russian plate steel coming into the United States made it possible for steel suppliers in this country to expand and get involved in other areas. They're in Georgia. Georgia used to be a top manufacturer of soft woods, plywood, so on, so on, so on. You have Canadian companies which have made inroads into that, whereas your Georgia producers can't hardly do anything. But Trump put a tariff on Georgia I mean, on Canadian lumber coming to Georgia. And let me show you how that played out. Susan Rice's husband, his father is a big lumber company owner in Canada. 
So you can see how she, as a Democrat working under the Obama administration, does things and probably encourages things that hurt Georgia lumber producers. And blacks, I'm sure, and hope would say that they are involved in the production of softwood lumber in the state of Georgia because of your tall, straight-to-heaven Georgia pines. I mean, it just goes on. His regulations, I have members in my family that's in the oil business. Of course, we know we're in the steel business. Him removing regulations on offshore oil well drilling and shale oil drilling was a big bonus for members of my my family. That's because that's the business that we in. When time came to vote for the first black mayor in the city of St. Louis, we sat down the top candidate, Freeman Bosley, and we said, if we back you, this is what we need for you to do. You know what that was? He raised the required percentages of quote-unquote minority participation in city contracts. Then the state, the board of education raised the required percentages of the same in public school contracts. Mm-hmm. Montoya, I've done eight public schools because they raised the requirement, and they also put stipulations in there right. that we said we needed to have. You understand what I'm saying? You have to, you have oh, to I understand do it completely pertaining to your so, business. And I'd like to respond to Montoya. And hang on, I'm not done yet. Okay. See, so you made mention of Title One. My children don't have to depend on Title One. Now, what I like about Trump's plan is that for helping disadvantage young people is full school choice with vouchers. That would be the last paradigm where that parent can put their child in those educational avenues that's demanding and that would help prepare their child for when he comes out of high school and goes into college and comes out of college, I can hire him or her in one of my operations. A company is not going to hire people that score at 90 over someone that's scoring 96, 97, and 98. I mean, that's just the reality. You know, you have an event there in in Atlanta every year, and I told you about that. It's the IPP. It's the International Poultry and Food Processing Expo. When I attend that, I hardly see any black Americans. You got blacks from Africa and African countries down in Brazil and South America, but you hardly see any black Americans there at all. And that there is, uh, you just ask the question, where are they at? Because of what's being displayed. So, you know, I could go on and on, and uh, I'm going to stop right there. Well, you know, I'll give you a little free reign because you are my most prevalent number one caller, so I'll give you a little extra time. We are up against the break, and so I am going to let you go, and you come out of break, we're going to definitely let the give her thoughts and rest. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get you back in, but if I can, you know, come off the one and come back in, I'll try to get you back in possibly. Thanks a lot. I would like to be a panel. Thanks a lot, brother. I'd like to sit on a panel on the discussion on one of We're going to figure it out, brother. Y'all say you've been on before. You know, we'll work it out again. Me and Brent. We'll make it work again. We are up against the break. When we come back, Latrice will let you respond to Brother Piaki. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think.
Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 Absolutely, call Big Sis Media for any of your media needs. Uh, I use them, so definitely a fan of what they do. Glad to have them back as a sponsor as well. You are listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team special guest co-host, Latrice Ross. Uh, I'll let you respond to what Brother Piaki had to say. The one thing I would just highlight in him giving his individual stories is the idea that, as we say, politics are local. Uh, ultimately, if I could put a definition for politics, I would say equal self-interest. And so he just speaks to how his self-interest in a sense, were supported, and clearly he was a Trump supporter, and he gave his reasons for doing so. Uh, I absolutely encourage our community to at least start to under, understand that politics is such self-interest that I would encourage that we get used to and okay with <clears throat> our community being spread across the uh, political size. Again, me being independent, encouraging others to become independent, I am absolutely okay with people being on all sides of the political aisles. I think it is more favorable for our positioning when it comes to politics. So that I will say, uh, just throwing it out there, but go ahead, Latrice, um, your thoughts in response to Brother Pion. And, and I'm and the reason I became an independent is because I did want, not want to be aligned to one party or the other. I think they're both problematic. Um, and I felt that the best way that I could um, ensure that my interests were best served was by becoming an independent, um, looking into those politicians, local and federal, and determining which um, which fits my needs. Um, but when it comes, you know, when he talks about the tariffs and um, when we really did pull back the layers of what the impact of the tariffs, um, most economic economists are saying that um, they have they've been they've done negative things for our economy. So perhaps for him personally, it may have been um, a benefit. But over the long run, our GDP is is estimated to decrease by 23%. Wages we already know that wages are decreasing as a result of the tariffs, um, and and there is um, expected to be. Well, now that COVID, but because of the tariffs, there was already an impact to full-time employment by nearly 200,000 jobs, in addition to what we see that's happening now with COVID. And the long-term effects of the tariffs um, are are expected to really have um, more negative impact on our economy, and it's supposed to, it's anticipated to offset the gains that were shown by um, the tax cut and job that. So um, maybe perhaps on a personal level, the tariffs that benefited him 
but as a country, they've actually hurt us. And the more retaliatory tariffs that he enacts, um, the more negative it will be for our country overall. Well, thank you for those thoughts. Let's go to the next caller. Area code two five six last three four seven nine. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Good morning, King. This is Michael Sutler calling in. Um, you know, I wasn't going to miss this one. Um, <laughs> you know, I, get you, I, King. <clears throat> you know, I, I have I have a lot of stuff, especially in this uh, second hour, that I wanted to kind of go over, but. Really, well, really quick. I want you to call in. I'm glad you called in, and I'm going to let the audience know we're going to keep you on, so y'all can still call on. I'm basically going to have him as an intermediate guest, if you will, for as long as you can stay on, but I'm so glad you were able to get in just because of your background. As a matter of fact, highlight it so they understand why I'm keeping you on, if you don't mind, real quick. Again, this is a kind of impromptu thing, so I'm glad to get you on, though, King. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you know you know, I'd be here. Um, I'm a commodity trading advisor, also about to become a registered investment advisor, which is a completely different business, but uh, being able to trade in the commodity business, uh, trade in alternative assets, I manage uh, millions of dollars for a number of clients, and including individuals, nonprofits, and now some institutional clients have, have come to join on. But uh, I used to be an engineer, uh, but I worked myself out of that job doing this one as it started as a side hustle, as a passion. But, you know, millions of of computer lines and many long sleepless nights later, we're here. So I run a very small, very efficient shop. And um, I guess the the biggest thing about it is I have fallen in love with being able to participate in the economy at this level. And I encourage more of our uh, communities to do so the right way. And so after hearing, uh, you know, earlier on, I was listening to Mr. J. Bailey, his live comments, and then, our current guest, I couldn't agree more with two things that I heard that really stuck out, and they're pretty simple. Uh, the first thing was um, the early guest spoke and said that we're not allotting ourselves enough time to think and strategize. If you look at very successful people, very successful ventures, there's always a period of strategy, and there's an iterative part of strategy that goes along with that to course correct as you go along the way because – you know, a plan is, you know, whatever a plan is, you have to have one to start. But to think that a plan is going to go through to fruition to the end of your project is to be a little naive. So it is absolutely necessary, and that's one of the reasons why, again, I got out of the 9 to 5 to really give myself time to think. And I've been able to grow my business, you know, nonlinearly because of that. And then the second part, too, that I love the, the uh, contrast here, like you're saying that our community is not a monolith, but I think, and this is just me, I've always been an economy first. I don't care about your politics if you don't have any money. I'll always stand by that. And though politics does have a very, very substantial, significant influence on, you know, the the economy uh, especially now, you know, I, I couldn't agree with the guest more in terms of looking at the difference between the very specific self-interest of Trump's policies being able to, to benefit one person versus looking at the holistic destruction, and I do not mince my words when I say that, of the economy overall. But, again, if I was to look at myself as, you know, 
who do I vote blue or red is neither. I tend to be independent, but it's easy for me to see from my vantage point that for this election, Trump has to go for, for everything going forward. We have to have something different, and we need to start working on that now. So uh, those are my two things right now. No, I love it. Again, glad to have you on. Um, but just to peel it back from your perspective, um, something that was offered, um, Jason, if you're still out there listening, we'll be glad to get you on, brother, because um, I'm going um, to – you gave me this thought, so if you're still out there listening, you know, come back on with us, if you will. Uh, but uh, I would love to have you from your perspective, Michael, again, having moved into uh, the finance industry specifically, and, and we've had some discussions about this, and we obviously jump in where you fit in as well. Uh, but the concept of um, Jason challenged the idea where I said, you know, we don't necessarily have, have enough to, in a sense, compete. And he gave a brilliant idea of how taking small grassroots amounts, and as he was saying it, is absolutely how, you know, uh, and if you will, we can just even as a quick reminder, Obama used that very effectively as he definitely, uh, in a sense, um, Encouraged our community to not only come out and vote, but you saw us putting in the $25 offers, uh, something that you just hadn't seen from our community in, on large scale uh, when Obama, in, sense, in a sense, learned how to campaign and take advantage of the Internet in the way, you know, that he did. And now all the campaigns kind of follow that, from what I understand, blueprint in reference to how to promote campaigns via the Internet. Um, again, I may not have that exactly right, but that's just a little piece of understanding that I have. But in reference to um, having enough money collectively to, in a sense, because um, I love that statement you made, Michael, the idea of you don't have any money, your politics don't really matter, and I may be misquoting you, um, but, I, but I see that it's absolutely factual when we understand typically uh, if you've got a vote or a vote with a dollar behind it, we understand which one gets listened to, right? And so uh, with that said, uh, from a collective perspective, I know you've been reviewing some numbers, and I'm often talking about them. And so um, what's, what's your thoughts in reference to collectively? And, again, as you said, we're not a monolith, and I'm not asking us to be one, but if we're going to start having strategic conversations, stopping and thinking collectively, how could we or should we move if we want to be move beyond just the vote and start connecting our economics and politics? What does that look like to you? in reference to how you see our community collectively, financially, and how do we improve on it? Because I, I don't think anybody argues that we don't need to improve. There is, however, argument on how much we actually have. Any thoughts on that, King? I know I said a lot there, but I think I know you well enough to following me, so just kind of jump in there and, you know, give me your thoughts on all of that. Oh, you know, so, you know, it's it's funny. I had a again a good mutual friend of ours, uh, the estimable Rashad Howard sent. He sent me, and he does this because he knows we've been knowing each other for over two decades now. Is he sent me this article from Bloomberg that was basically highlighting, and you may have seen it, five well, charts that basically show the state of the wealth inequality, the wealth gaps. And I know people get caught up on these words, but it, it's basically the what is of assets based on demographics. And it pretty much just put up the, the largest ones, you know, black community, white community, Latinos, and then they put up a pretty much a, a catch-all with others. But as it applies to us, the most striking thing, and people hate when you bring this up, but it was like for every 100 
dollars in assets that the average, and be careful about averages, but the average white person owns, a black person on average owns $6. So 100 to 6. And everybody, you know, and it was kind of one of those things where I looked at it because I've looked at this before, and I said to myself, huh, you know, you can, we, we know the history. If you know, and I'm coming back to this point, anything about the importance of time as it relates to money. People say time is money. Time is actually more than money because time is one of the engines that actually lets money compound. It lets it gain momentum. You know, there's a lot of discourse on how it came to be, but, again, engineering background, problem solver is in my blood. That wasn't my point. The point is, like you said, how do we as a, you know, not necessarily as a monolith, but as a collective, you know, our very varied and diverse pieces, what do we focus on? For me, it's simply a retraining of what we know because I challenge everybody and because I, I challenged myself quite a while ago. What you know about the economy is probably wrong. So how in the world, how in the world can we say, oh, well, we're going to do this and that and that if you don't know how the engine works? There's this, like, it's not a promotion or anything, but there's this video. It's about 30 minutes long, made by a guy named Ray Dalio. I'm not even going to get into how important he is to the U.S. economy, but it's a very simple infographic on how the, what he calls the economic machine works in very simple terms. I ask people on my page, I ask people in my uh, community, have they seen that video? No. My students that I teach in my intern course who are actually in finance, have they seen that video? No. So to me, if you don't understand how a machine works, how anything works by natural order, there is absolutely no chance of you being able to not only make that thing benefit you, but to rest control. And I still say that politics is still subservient to the actual economic makeup of a country, at least at this stage. If we were back in Hamilton's days like the plays, politics played a lot more role. Military played a lot bigger role. But the financial piece is what allows any any economy that is based on capitalism, whether you love it, hate it, is here. You have to have that capitalistic piece. You have to have understanding of it. And what you understood 50 years ago is almost irrelevant now because each 10 years, roughly speaking, the system redesigns itself. So the things we get caught up on about the American dream, I challenge people even on real estate and the you know, home ownership. Home ownership is great, but in the data that Bloomberg put up, it Matter shows fact, that. Let me do this. We all, we all against the break. Yeah, let's, let's come out. Let's, let, let me just come out of the break with that thought, and I definitely want to get Latrice's thoughts to some of what you're saying. Um, but definitely, thank you for this information, King. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services. We are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business, for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused 
ground support equipment back to the user and working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer TV, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our impromptu guest at this moment is Michael Sutler. Thank you, King, for being on with us for this morning's discussion question. Economics and the black vote are both necessary. Yeah, you can stick right back up where you were going, King, with the um, real estate. Uh, I think you were mentioning it before the break. Well, yeah. No, I, pre- I appreciate you. You know, that was a really short break, uh, and, it, and it helps me keep the train of thought. But one of the things that we looked at in the data was that as a percentage of our assets right now, real estate constitutes a fairly high percentage if you're looking at, like, whether somebody owns a business or real estate or other assets or even consumer goods like, you know, your cars or even expensive items in your home, et cetera, et cetera. Real estate came in second to pension entitlements and and retirement accounts, which was also very high at almost 40%. But this, and again, we, this is not to denigrate real estate. I love real estate. I own real estate. But it's to say that we need to start challenging and hard challenging what we know, what we're doing. And the reason why I bring that up is if you talk to anybody, you'll say, hey, home ownership is a cornerstone of getting wealth in, in, in America. My question is why, and if it is so, then do we need to look through a different way of doing it versus a 30, sometimes 20, or even a 15-year mortgage? Because, oh, I can tell now, you, let me, let me, let me jump in real quick. Yeah, I want Latrice's thoughts as well, because I think I, I, I hear, in my opinion, I'm going to tell you what I'm hearing that's so critical, um, you giving this example specifically with real estate, and it's, it's, I'm relating it to something you mentioned prior, prior to the break, and just want to connect these two things and definitely want to hear Latrice's thoughts. So what I think I hear you, again, for someone who, like yourself, who's been studying the economy for a long time because of what you do for a living and you obviously have this unique perspective, love to have you on the show all the time when it comes to these type of things. But this, when I heard you saying prior to the break that every decade or so uh, things change within capitalism on how the money works, and you were just, and prior to that you were saying, hey, if we don't understand how the machine works, then there's never going to be an opportunity to get command of it or understand it or control it. And so, again, you were kind of relating to the overall idea collectively that to a certain extent, that, that we may fall in that position, but not only might we fall in that position, but if you're using something that was advantageous just maybe 20 to 30 years ago, but there's been two renovations since that time. So I, what I hear you saying is home ownership has long been this cornerstone, but the way the economy is working now, you, you can't use something from 20 or 30 years ago and expect the same results because of the different iterations of what's happening with the economy. Um, you know, and for example, just the idea of even having a, a, uh, uh, um, a store, for example, versus having an Internet store. You know, there was a time where brick and mortar made total sense, but if you still go by that <laughs> model today, it's not that you can't make money, 
but is it the smartest way is kind of what I hear you asking us to think through when you consider how often, you know, if it is true every decade, things change with the money, and if we're not keeping up with those advances because our starting point is here, we, we, we may be giving out the wrong information is what I think I hear you saying. Um, yeah, just if you will, make a quick thought because I definitely want to hear what Latrice has to say as she sits back and listens to you break a lot of this down. But just a, a quick response to me, and let me, you know, let Latrice jump in here. Oh, I'm interested as well. But, yeah, really quick, you hit it dead on the head. There are certain things that, you know, again, certain things are what we call universals. Like there are certain laws like gravity that tend to not change. But for everything else, and I do mean everything else, 99% of everything else, it changes and morphs, especially in finance because finance is driven by change. Finance is driven by incentive, self-incentive, and it's a competition at some level whether you want are you competing or not so everything changes and if your narratives are still the same thing that your parents or grandparents or you know ancestry are doing you're probably doing it wrong because i can promise you finance doesn't look the same as it did just five years ago wow now strong thoughts latrice um jump in queen take you you could take it and run with it um so i i would i i agree with everything that um Michael is saying, and, and finances it has not been my thing, but as I've aged, I've got divorced, I realize it has to be my thing in order to make headway in my finances. Um, and I'm going to, one of the most pivotal questions in my life that was ever asked, and, you're gonna, and I'll, I'll connect the dots after I say it, was when I was asked, what would I believe if no one had ever told me what to believe? Um, that made me question everything that I had been taught or told to believe up to that point. And I bring that up because many of us listen to what our grandparents and parents did, and we just take that as the gospel, and we don't think about how our world is changing, how our society is changing. And so we just take their advice and we run with it, and that's what we base our foundations off of. And so this idea of owning real estate, home ownership, et cetera, all of this, we just take it. We, because that's what we were told to do, and we're being good people, and that's what we do. Never taking the time to analyze what's happening around us. Never taking the time to analyze how we need to change or upgrade our thought process. And until we do that, we're going to be stuck. Um, case in point, this whole flower blossom loom thing. So my friend, one of my best friends, hit me up with it, and I said, no. I said, all of my spare coins are going to investing. And um, she was like, yeah, but does it give you the return on this? It's like, like this. I said, better, because I don't have to go out and try to recruit two people to determine what my next investment is going to be or what that return on that investment is going to be. And I said, what happens when you can't, when somebody can't get two people, what happens to your payout at that point? And she didn't have an answer for me, but then she was like, well, I'll, I'll give it, you know, investing is my next thing. Why is it your next thing and not your now thing is what I wanted to ask her. But, she, you know, she got off the phone when I told her no. Mm-hmm. But we have to upgrade our thinking. We have to stop just believing what everyone told us, even our parents, because they didn't have access to the information like we have. And we have to grow if we're going to survive and thrive. Well, Michael, I know you, after watching you review those charts, um, I, I done a video probably about a year ago, and you, this is going to trip you out because is, now I understand what made you kind of jump on the charts this time. Uh, but there was about a year ago just sharing this interaction um, in which 
uh, we, there was another thing going around, and you just happen to look at it, look into it. You typically, do you'll throw out a little piece of um, a little source um, in in reference to making your point, and so you end up throwing out a source that actually delved into those exact numbers a year ago. So I was actually surprised to see how you took to it this time and delved into it, but without you realizing it. You put me on a source that made me go down this rabbit hole about a year ago. Now, I couldn't speak to it as eloquently as you have over the last few days on social media, uh, but I ended up doing a video, and it made me realize this, this, very, this, this very thing, and here's what makes having you on the show worth it. So when I delve down and realize how little assets we had collectively using some of those same numbers you shared today, it made me realize it's time for us to keep pointing the, the quick pointing the finger at each other as if there's something we're doing wrong and not honest about collectively where we stand. And a lot of that has nothing to do with what we have or have not done individually. And so we can get out of this rhetoric of, well, if we would just collectively do this, and some of the things that people are suggesting are similar to what you're saying, things that are old tropes that will not be effective in 2020. But there are a lot of people leading with those old tropes as if they may be effective now. Unlike yourself, they haven't studied, in my opinion, these current numbers or understand finances the way that you understand it. And so I always worry that those sense who are the thought leaders leading with these old models are going to just lead people, one, down a bad path. But on the flip side of that, when you look at all these numbers, and you say the focus has to change, if you will, what are you suggesting is the focus and how do we come out of it? And lastly, do you agree that some people are leading with old models that will not be effective now? So a couple of questions there for you to jump into. You know, you know, not only are we leading with old models, to me it lacks the <clears throat> out-frontness that leadership actually takes which, like I said, that's really my jab at the current administration, too. But I find a lot of what constitutes leadership, you know, whether we're talking politics or we're talking God. You know, my favorite science is definitely a bane in our community, but especially economics and finance. You find that we tend to sound a lot like people who oppress us in the right light. And it's so dangerous because... We focus on, again, being right, and this is the way, when really it's about how you're thinking, how you're grouping, and how you're communicating that I think is the thing that we have to shift the most. And, you know, I was really in my rant space when I was talking about this, but being bring back being okay to be wrong and being wrong. Bring back correct answers because not to get on the fact that everybody doesn't need to be heard. Everybody does need to be heard. Opinions are important, but opinions should not stand in the way of progress because everybody needs to be heard. Like I said, you can believe in gravity or not. It is a law. You can believe in interest or not. It is how it works. So as long as your opinions don't, to divorce you from reality. That's they're fine. 
my thing in terms of like you asking, what do we need to change? I had another person ask me, he's like, what do you think we need to do? And I pretty much came up with five things. Number one and number two okay. are really most important to me. You have to form up a team because I can say, you know, yeah, I've studied finance for you know almost 20 years now, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter because I'm one person. And I can't tell you how many times I've been wrong. I would be ashamed. I'm wrong on a daily basis. With everything that I know, it is minuscule and insignificant to what I don't know. But if you can find a team that is willing to be accountable, which is something that we lack too. On a personal level, you don't want to be accountable. I don't want to be accountable. The way my business grew was having to put people in place to make me accountable, but also people to commit to you and you to commit back to them. Again, our most important thing, believe it or not, I say time. I used to say money was next, but it's really relationships. If you can form relationships with meaning, meaningful relationships with meaningful people, <laughs> you got the time because they got the time. And you're going to get the money because it's a byproduct of the success that you'll find if you go, <clears throat> excuse me, find the team. And then next, start focus, like I say, on capitalism. I get it. We got degrees. I got friends with tons of PhDs and stuff. They don't know this. I got tons, we have tons of degrees and certifications and all this stuff. But do you know how the world works around you? And how are you actually testing that? And so that's kind of my next thing. This group that you form, I don't care if it's two people, three people, you know, again, even in the Bible, say two or three calls and calls into his name. You know, it's that kind of vibe. But if y'all can focus on actually learning how the system works and being okay with being wrong about your preconceived notions of what you've been told, everything else really falls into place. Because what happens next is you start to understand where to put your assets. It's not a question that you go, oh, but if I know interest rates are here, if I know that the average return here is here, if I know that this is too much, those fake susus, which again denigrate the name of, you know, susus, real susus, because they right. do work. But these network right. marketing get rich schemes, these fly by night things don't come in because you no longer speak the same language. Nobody should be able to talk about risk and re uh, talk about reward without risk. That's a charlatan. That's somebody who doesn't know. And as soon as she brings, oh, is that type of return? How do you know it's that type of return? Simple questions. Now, Those make are like sense. the really two fact, big things. Before you, jump into the, yep, before you jump into the last couple, let me go to this last break, and we'll continue this conversation and try to bring it full circle to this morning's discussion. Then thank, you know, thank you so much for these thoughts. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. The Money Motivation brand currently exists. It's a, it's a success and lifestyle clothing brand uh, primarily, and it was created uh, because we saw the demand. It was created in 2017, and we saw the demand for uh, the self-made modern entrepreneur, business leader, high achiever. Um, there was a gap in a prominent streetwear brand that really embodied their journey. So I wanted to take that concept and create a clothing brand that could embody that with a mission that's very simple, which was to inspire a life of excellence and freedom, uh, to promote independent thinking, hard work, taking risks, uh, having a relentless commitment to what you do and a uh, never-giving-up type attitude. Those are all hallmarks of, hallmarks of the brand. And the product line consists of 
premium T-shirts, outerwear, headwear, accessories, canvas prints, and the like. But there's also a media aspect to this, which dovetails into this podcast actually being created, where I really want to help people be successful in business and build businesses and wealth and be able to enjoy it while they're here, as well as build it for future generations. But it's about being able to live a life of autonomy, and that's been a big part of my motivation to be uh, in the financial industry and also have a brand that can represent that. So the hope is this can influence people to think differently. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the all the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly again at 404-604-9477. If you're an individual, go to mentaldialogue.com and become a supporter or member. We do need your support to keep Intelligent Radio on the air, so definitely consider supporting. And again, if you find what we're doing, these valuable conversations, very appreciative to our first hour guest, Jay Bailey. Um, in this morning's discussion, economics and the black vote are both necessary. My special guest co-host is Latrice Ross, as well as our impromptu guest, Michael Seller, just breaking down from a financial perspective um, how he sees the economy working and, and, and tying it all in. Um, before I let you continue, um, uh, Michael, I was, I'm interested in hearing maybe a, a Latrice's thoughts and, you know, in a sense, some of the things that you're kind of laying out where the focus needs to be. Uh, in a sense, Latrice, just in listening to Michael, any thoughts on it being relatable, in a sense, to this morning's discussion? Uh, you know, I know his brother's going to tie it all in, but he's kind of said a lot. Um, and so before he gets out his last couple of points, if you will, just any thoughts about what he's had to say um, at this point on how maybe we should be moving collectively if, if you're going to look at it from a perspective, you know, from a collective perspective, if you will. Go ahead, Queen. Um, I don't really have a lot to say. I mean, he's essentially tying it all together with the economic piece. I mean, you brought up which is more important, and they're both important, but we definitely were able to pay more attention to what we do from an, uh, you know, from an electoral perspective if we're not concerned with how we're going to put food on the table. So I think that, you know, what he's saying is important. I'm learning. Um, again, you know, many of us, we, we don't want to deal with finances because it's not the easiest thing for some of us, but at the end of the day, we really have to pay attention and stop trying to, to go about to get rich quick and thinking that someone that we cast a vote for is going to make everything right for us. So we got to do the work um, to make the change for ourselves in a certain, you know, in a sense, and then we can really focus on, um, you know, as an elected, what we can do from a power perspective when it comes to elections. Now, it makes sense. Well, Michael, yeah, if you will, go ahead and continue um, down the path. Um, as I hear Latrice, the um, the one thing I'm thinking about, as you say, getting that circle of two or three or maybe, you know, slightly more, um, for, you know, if there's someone out there listening saying, well, I don't know who, who that is or who that looks like for me or, or even let's be honest about the historical distrust that was psychologically also, in a sense, to a certain extent, collectively often trying to overcome, uh, you know, again, it's not – it's not fair to label our community as not trusting of one another because we see groups move and do things all the time, and we often don't give credit for it. 
but there is that concept for some where they're still just just trusting. They haven't had a life experience where they feel like they can do even what you're suggesting, even that circle of two or three who are willing, in a sense, to put in the work. So that's why the the network marketing SUSU, like you said, giving a bad name to the actual SUSU plan that's really just a good savings plan that often works, especially throughout the Caribbean. Our brothers, our Caribbean brothers and sisters use it constantly all the time versus traditional banking. So, you know, like you said, giving, you know, and I'm just highlighting and reiterating not to give a bad name to the actual SUSUs that work. Uh, we, you know, we definitely don't want to do that. Uh, but, again, just kind of circling and get back for someone who's still kind of experienced a life where that that trust is like we'll buy into someone who sells us on that big number, like you said, a reward without risk, but versus creating that circle of two or three because of that same distrust. It's funny how it plays out, and we can trust the thing we shouldn't versus possibly following and doing things the way that you're suggesting. Um, just any thoughts on that? Because, again, I think we have to talk about that, too, for somebody out there saying, well, I don't know who that two or three people is. Well, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's really common, and especially if what you say, like, they distrust that is, you know, the common stereotype in our community. But, you know, it's funny, at the same time, we tend to be a very spiritual and religious people, too, in that, and you say, well, how do I build trust? It's the same way as is if you go to church or go to a mosque, you know, it's like the people that you're around, the common calls, you will attract the certain type of energy that you draw in. You'll attract some other stuff too. But like I said, if you're forming these groups and you actually have a mission to learn and to hold each other accountable, uh, it'll flesh out who's fake and who's not. That's real. I mean, it will do, it will do that big. really, really quickly. No, that makes sense. We actually got a caller. Let me see the caller in. We only got a, this last segment. Let me see what the caller wants to get jump in real quick. Uh, Montana, this is uh, Marilyn Davis, a.k.a. Kingdom Woman. How are you today? Um, hey, thanks for calling in this yeah, morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Your shows always bless me. Um, I'm, I might go off topic a minute, but there are some things I really need to address. Um, go ahead and get them out. The talking heads, the talking heads that we have out here. I'm going to be brief two minutes. The talking heads that we have out here, the one thing I'm going to ask you to do is to to mind your language. We as a people have to change our own narrative. We've been mislabeled and we've been running with somebody else's narrative. We are not blacks. We are black people. For so long they have been trying to dehumanize us and call us animals and everything else, and we ourselves have to realize our personhood. We are a people. And we have to, that, that sounds like a small thing, but it is not a small thing. So when you're talking and when you're writing, we're not blacks, we're black people. Independent voting. An independent vote is a vote for the opposition. I'm going to tell you that right now. There is no such thing as an independent vote. It's a non-vote. So for those of you who have been doing it, you already know that it has not served us well. So I'm asking you to select a candidate we have to do like those in the gay, whatever that whole body of people is, that whole body of businesses. When they went to Obama, they made their demands, they pressed him, they did everything they went to do, they engaged him, and they got what they wanted. We have to stop letting politicians let me, let me, come let me, in let me and jump in real quick. Let me, let me jump in real quick because I, I am one of those independents, and I, I will tell you, I don't know that it hasn't served us because I don't know that we've used it properly. And I'm just giving, just letting you know, 
that I land on the independent vote, but I'll just want to let you know that I don't know that it hasn't served us. When you say that, I don't know that. I'm just letting you know that. Go ahead. Well, then, but you need to know because people who are doing it, they need to know the result of it. How is it serving you? And if you don't know, then you need to rethink that. That, that other word, think. I was so blessed when he brought that up. The world is set out to distract us. The Lord told me a while ago, let me be your distraction. Let me be your distraction. I want to distract you from everything that's distracting you from what you should be paying attention to. That was very important. In this pandemic, people are whining, crying, and complaining. God has set this time for us to bless us, to give us time to think, to let us come out of the rat race and to sit down and let us look at things from a new perspective and to begin to think and to plan and to, to, to strategize and to pull in people who are walking our walk and talking our talk. So when we come out of this thing, we're going to be better, we're going to be stronger, we're going to be smarter, we're going to be wiser, and we're going to be more prosperous. Use this time wisely. For those who are out there rioting, well, not rioting, because rioting is not our thing. We already know that there are others who are doing it and it's being blamed on us, but they don't look like us. But for those who are out there marching and demonstrating, God bless you. For those who of us are sitting inside who are not a part of that movement, we need to pray for them and we need to come out of our pockets and support those movements that are actually on the front lines engaging people at the tables. This is the one thing they did during the days of the marches. They went into restaurants and they had meetings. They bought out the money and they gave the money to the those that were actually engaged in the in the fight. We're going to have to rethink hey, the dynamics me. of the thing. We're not going to no, have to always think on the economics. Yeah, we're short time, ma'am. Yeah, we're short okay. time, but I definitely appreciate the three cents. I uh, appreciate you for being a regular listener. Please consider becoming a supporter at mentaldialogue.com. Appreciate you, uh, Marilyn, very much. Thank you for calling in. God bless you. Absolutely. we got a couple of minutes, Michael, so I'm going to get one last thought for you. I'm going to let Latrice close us out. Um, to, um, but thank you for getting in as an impromptu guest. Uh, strong thoughts today. But I'll say one, one last thought, if you will, King, before we let you go. Well, I think in closing, like I said, if, if we really want to know what's next or really get into the game and really take control and have a life, you know, set ourselves on a path of autonomy where we're not being dictated to. It's really simple. Start with small teams. Focus on learning, really, truly learning, which is part of learning is being wrong and vetting it out. The next steps are really quick, really simple. Once you start learning, and I mean empirically, test things out. This is how this is what works in engineering. So it works in science. It works in finance and investment. Once you get those out, test, keep what works, discard what doesn't. If it, it doesn't go with us if it's not vetted. If it's not truly vetted and we can agree that it works, it does not fly. And once you get through this phase, because as you start building this, start learning each other, you will grow in trust. It is natural. The people I work with are my friends more than, you know, my friends were before that, don't, that didn't work with me because there's a level of trust. You start to formalize the process, and no, I don't mean, oh, start a business. No, I'm not saying this. But start writing your own, I dare I say, textbooks. Start writing your own documents on how you see it, because somebody else did that. When we talk about Thomas Edison and we talk about all these great inventors, that's pretty much what they did. 
And once you get done with this and start formalizing, you now have a means of media to pass along to the next generation that is formal. This is hey, nothing but King, a scientific you got 30 process. Seconds. No, absolutely. And lastly, love it. Thank you so much. For, yeah, go ahead, King. Please get it out. Last, last thing, celebrate the wins that come about this way, and not just the monetary Thank wins, but the accomplishments of doing these things. When you do that, our culture will shift. It, ha- it, it has no, no choice it. to. So. I love it. We need to follow those things. Uh, Latrice, um, any thoughts, and I'm going to get out of this thing. Um, I just like to say that we are independent voters because we don't belong to either side, so it's, in, it's inaccurate to say that it's a vote for the opposition. I appreciate you for that thought, Queen. Um, next Friday night, we're going to have our first online mental dialogue uh, connection. So uh, follow us on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page at Mental Dialogue on the IG page, Mental underscore Dialogue. Next Friday at 8 p.m., Mental Dialogue Connection. It will be the hottest and funnest 90 minutes of connecting, networking that you've had online. So look forward to that. And next Saturday, as always, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you do. All right.